Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to roco snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. story was reworked by the poet Alfred Tennyson. 
closing. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. One of the bravest knights in King Arthur's court was Sir Geraint. Once, he was in the forest with Queen Guinevere and one of her maidens when a lady and a knight rode by. The queen told the maiden to go to them to find out who they were. As the maiden approached them, she saw that the knight had a very proud face. She asked his name, but he said roughly, None of your business. As she pressed on with her question, he struck her with his whip. Upon this, she went back and told the queen and Sir Geraint what had passed. Sir Geraint was angry, and he said to the queen, Fair queen, I will ride after this knight and avenge the insult done to your maiden. If I succeed, I shall return in three days. Do so, said the queen, and I trust you will succeed, not only in this, but in all things which you attempt. Some day you will love some fair lady. Before you marry her, bring her to me, and no matter how poor or how rich she may be, I will clothe her for her wedding in the most beautiful garments in the world. They shall shine like the sun. So off rode Sir Geraint, keeping at some distance behind the lady and the knight. At last, after passing through many woods, he lost sight of them as they disappeared beyond the top of a hill. Sir Geraint rode up and saw below him in a valley, the one street of a little town. On one side was a fortress, so new that the stone of which it was built was still white, while on the other side stood a gray old castle, fast falling into decay. He saw the people he was following Enter the fortress. In the little town, there was a great deal of noise and bustle. At first, Sir Geraint could not find any place to stay, for the houses were all full. He stopped before a servant who was scouring his master's armor and asked what all the noise meant. The servant said, The sparrow hawk, and went on working. Then he met an old man carrying a sack of corn and asked him the same 
question. The old man made the same reply, the sparrowhawk. Next, Sir Geraint approached one who was making armor and questioned him. Without looking up, the man replied, Friend, he who works for the sparrowhawk has little time for answering questions. Sir Geraint was vexed and said, I'm weary of hearing of your sparrowhawk. I do not understand what you mean. Won't you tell me where I can find a place to stay for tonight? And won't you sell me some armor? I have but my sword. Then the man looked up and said, Your pardon, sir. We're all very busy here, for tomorrow we hold a tournament, and our work is not half done. I cannot give you armor, for we need all that we have in the town. As to lodging, all the room is taken. However, maybe the earl in the castle will receive you. Sir Geraint rode over to the gray old castle, and as the gate was open, entered the ruined courtyard. Dismounting, he went into the hall. Here he found the earl, an elderly man dressed in clothes which had once been handsome, but were now old and worn. To him, Sir Geraint said, Good sir, I seek lodging for the night. The old earl answered, Sir, I was once rich and am now poor. Nevertheless, I will gladly give you the best I have. As he spoke, someone in the castle began to sing. The voice was very sweet. Sir Geraint thought he had never heard anyone sing so wonderfully. That is my daughter, Enid, said the earl. Then he took Sir Geraint into a room in which sat an old lady in a faded velvet gown. She was the earl's wife. By her side stood Enid in a faded silk gown. She was as beautiful as her voice was sweet. And after watching her, Sir Geraint said to himself, I'm already in love with this maiden. He said nothing out loud, of course. Only looked at her. The Earl spoke to her. Enid, this good knight will stay with us. His horse is in the courtyard. 
Take it to the stall and give it corn. Then go into the town and buy us some food. Sir Geraint wished to put away his horse himself. But the old earl said, Sir, we're very poor, but we cannot permit our guests to do any work. I pray you, stay here. So Enid took the horse to the stall. After that, she went into the town and soon returned with meat and sweet cakes. Then, because most of the rooms in the old castle were in ruins, she cooked the meat in the same hall in which they were to eat. When the meal was ready, she waited on her father and her mother and Sir Geraint. The knight watched her and loved her more and more. When they had risen from the table, he said to the earl, My lord, pray tell me what the people of this town mean when they speak of the sparrow hawk. The earl's face grew sad as he said, That's the name given to the young knight who rules this town. Does he live in the fortress? Asked Sir Geraint. And does a lady ride with him? Yes, said the earl. Ah, then he is the man I am in search of, said Sir Geraint. I must fight him before three days are over. I am Geraint of King Arthur's court. I know your name well, said the earl. We often hear of your great deeds at Camelot. Many times have I related to my Enid the story of your brave deeds. I am bound to do my duty with the other knights, answered Sir Geraint. And now, tell me more of this sparrow hawk. Alas, he is my nephew, said the earl. At one time, I ruled this town. My nephew, the sparrow hawk, was powerful too and he asked to unite our power by marrying Enid, but neither she nor I wished it. Then he collected a body of men and attacked me and took all my wealth, leaving me nothing but this old castle. Tomorrow, said Sir Geraint, I will fight in the tournament with this sparrow hawk and conquer him and give you back your lands. But I lack armor. I can give you armor, although it's old and rusty, said the earl. But no one is allowed to fight in this tournament 
unless there is some lady he loves best in all the world. Then he fights for the sake of this lady, and if he wins, receives a prize, which he in turn gives to her. What is the prize? asked Sir Geraint. A hawk, a sparrow hawk made of gold. This nephew of mine is very strong and has always overcome every knight who has opposed him in these tournaments, which are held yearly. It's because he has won the prize so often that he is called the Sparrow Hawk. But tell me, is there some lady whom you love? Then Sir Geraint said, I love this daughter of yours, my lord, and will gladly make her my wife if you will permit it. The earl was very glad, but Enid was not, for she thought she was not worthy of such a great knight. Yet, she knew she loved him and said so, and soon promised to go with him to Arthur's court within three days. The next morning, the earl and Sir Geraint and Enid went to the field where the tournament was to take place. Many knights and ladies were there. The ladies sat under a pavilion which was draped in purple velvet, ornamented with gold, while the knights were on horseback. A herald blew a trumpet, and the knight who was called the Sparrowhawk galloped into the field. He rode around it three times, and then went up to the pavilion and said to his lady, I give you the gold sparrowhawk again, because no one dares to fight with me for it. Then Sir Geraint rode forward in his rusty armor and said, I will fight with you. The knight looked upon him, and gave a very scornful laugh as he rode at Sir Geraint. The two clashed together and began to fight fiercely while all the people watched. Twice they had to stop and rest. For a long time, they seemed evenly matched, and no one could decide which would win. But when Sir Geraint looked to where Enid sat, in her faded silk gown, among the richly dressed ladies in the pavilion, he grew very strong and struck his enemy such a blow that he fell to the earth. 
Now, Sparrowhawk, said Sir Geraint, I have overthrown you. You must do two things. You must ride with your lady to Arthur's court and ask pardon of Queen Guinevere because you struck her maiden. And you must restore all the riches you have taken from your good uncle, the Earl. This the knight promised to do. And afterwards, in Arthur's court, he grew very sorry for his evil deeds and became a good man. Meanwhile, Enid was making ready to go to Arthur's court with Sir Geraint. She was sorry that she had only her robe of faded silk. She remembered a robe her mother had given her before the sparrowhawk took their riches. It was of velvet, the color of mother of pearl, with gold leaves and flowers and birds embroidered upon it. While she was thinking of this beautiful robe, her mother entered the room, carrying it. Enid gave a cry of joy, and her mother told her that the sparrowhawk had just given it back, together with other robes and gold and jewels. Put it on, Enid, she said, and helped her daughter to array herself in the handsome gown exclaiming, How beautiful you look, my dear child. Sir Geraint may well be proud to fetch such a fair lady to King Arthur's court. Just then, the earl entered to tell them that the knight wanted Enid to ride with him to Camelot in the faded silk dress in which he had first seen her. Enid, although she was deeply disappointed, at once put on again her faded gown. When Sir Geraint came in, he saw that the Earl's wife was also disappointed, so he told them that the queen had promised to dress his bride in the most beautiful robes in the world for her wedding. At this, both the ladies were much pleased. So, after bidding farewell to her parents, Enid rode with Sir Geraint to Camelot, where the queen welcomed her and gave her a robe that was as bright as the sun. Then the good Archbishop of Canterbury married Sir Geraint and Enid amid great rejoicings. How Arthur fought with Rome. 
the time of the great Roman Empire, Julius Caesar, about 500 years before King Arthur was born, the people of Rome conquered Britain. They made many improvements in the land, building roads and walls, the remains of which may be seen to this day. But they also forced the Britons to pay them much money. All the kings did this up to the time of Arthur. He, however, considered that England was his own. He had conquered the lesser kings and made one realm of all the land over which he ruled with wise government. So he refused to send any money to Rome. Once King Arthur's knights were all together in the great hall, it was a time of peace, and they spent the days in riding and hunting. On this day, while the king was sitting on his throne, twelve old men entered, each bearing a branch of olive as a sign that they came in peace. They were the messengers of the Emperor of Rome, and, after bowing to the king, they said, Sir, our mighty emperor sends you greeting and commands you to acknowledge him as lord and to send him the money due from your realm. Your father and his predecessors did this. And so must you. If you refuse, the emperor will make war against you, and it will be an example to all the world. At this, the young knights laid their hands to their swords, but the older knights who had self-control enough to hide their feelings, waited to see what the king would do. Arthur bowed courteously to the messengers and told them that he would soon give them an answer. He commanded a knight to take them to a lodging and to see that they had all they needed. And he ordered that no harm should be done to them. Then he called a council of his great lords and asked their advice. Sir Lancelot, Arthur's favorite lord, spoke first, saying, my lord, we have rested for many weeks and can make sharp war now. In days gone by, we wouldn't have dared attack the Romans, and indeed, our attempt will make the world wonder. But of a truth, 
we ought to fight. Then spoke King Angus of Scotland, my Lord Arthur. You are the greatest lord on earth. You have made all of us lesser kings your subjects and bound the kingdom together and stopped our civil wars. We love you and we will help you. We pray you to make war on these Romans. When they ruled our elders, they demanded so much gold and made our people very poor. If you will fight, I will furnish you with 20,000 men and will bear all the cost of them myself. Then all the other lords promised to furnish men and arms. When Arthur heard this, he was glad of their courage and goodwill. He called in the messengers and said to them, Return to your emperor. Tell him that I refuse his command, for I owe him nothing. I have won this kingdom by my own strength. Tell him that I shall come with all my army to Rome and make him acknowledge me as Lord. Then Arthur told his treasurer to give the messengers gifts and to take them safely out of the country. Sir Lancelot conducted them to the sea where they took ship and sailed to France. On they journeyed over the Alps and into Italy. When they told their emperor of Rome their message, he said, I had thought Arthur would yield. But the messenger said, Sir, his face would have told you if you had seen it that he would never.